You are now listening to the Claim It podcast with me, your host, your geologist, Trisha Huffman. On this podcast, I have conversations with people who intrigue and inspire me. We get into the journey of their lives, tracking how they got to where they are today with doubts, fears, all of it. <laughs> because I believe that it's up to us to claim our joy, our worth, our value, our enoughness, our feelings of success every single day, that it isn't out there somewhere. Once I have this, do this, be this, then I'll feel worthy, enough, loved. Nope. It's an internal job. On today's episode, I have Jessica Ortner, a old friend of mine who I am honored to know. She is a practicer, a teacher, an author, a producer of the EFT tapping method. Uh, you'll learn about it if you don't know about it in the podcast. It's a pretty cool way to ground yourself, nurture yourself, get through anxiety, and all sorts of emotions that come up. Um, she has two books out. They have an app, the Tapping Solution app. They made a movie, a documentary about it. Let's just get into the episode. All right, here we go. All right. Hi. Hello. All right. This is so fun to reconnect like this. We haven't had a long talk like this since we were both living in Newport and taking beach walks together. I know. I was just saying before we started recording that I'm just imagining us walking on the beach and having those long conversations that we had. And now we're just having hundreds of people listening in. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But um, so, yeah, when I first was getting to know you and you moved to Newport Beach, which we can get into that later, too, like yeah. what made you um, take that leap from moving to Newport from New York? But you, uh, I remember you telling me the story of how you had found tapping because right now you and your two brothers run the tapping solution. Yep. And it's a pretty, it's a, like, what is it like the biggest tapping? What would you say? Yeah. I mean, so we teach this stress relief technique called tapping. We do a yearly online event called the Tapping World Summit, which has had over a million people attend. And we have, you know, six, between the three of us, we have six books and wow. we have an app that has is tapping meditations, which has been used a hundred and 1.4 million times. And it wasn't even released a year ago, right? It's pretty new. It was It was a year. It was actually oh, okay. released while I was in labor. So it's oh very God. easy for me to remember <laughs> because my, my, uh, my baby was born on October 26th, but I went into labor on the 24th. The, the app launched on the October 25th. And I remember thinking, oh my God, the app is going to be funny. out there the same day my baby's born. And it was one long labor. So <laughs> it's the day, the day before Enzo was born. But so how did you, and who was it first in your family that got introduced to tapping and like how and why? Yeah. So the first person was my brother, Nick. And he found it online. It's not a sexy, exciting story. He <laughs> found this technique online uh, where he saw that there were hundreds of thousands of people who were using this technique called tapping, where you tap on meridian endpoints to help release stress. And so as he started to learn about it, he began to implement it into his own life. And then he got really annoying about it. It was like the, the big joke in the family. Don't tell Nick anything's wrong because he's going to make you tap. How and old was he? Like, were you guys living in the same house still? was 
we no, we weren't. But I was 20, I think Uh, he's seven years older. So we were still babies. You know, like we you were young, but you wasn't like I wasn't sure if it was like high school or, you know, and like right. Right. Yes. Compared to now, we were babies, but it wasn't high school. Um, we were, you know, all in our early 20s and we were really into personal development and as a family I, or. Yeah, actually, what happened was my parents bought Tony Robbins tapes. Like this was when like there was tape players in the like car. Cassette tapes. Yeah. Cassette tapes. and my brother found those cassette tapes and started listening to them. And then I started listening to them and it started, we just started to get interested in personal development, but very separately. This is what's interesting. I feel like when you have siblings, we're each four years apart, you have phases, like you have periods of your life when you're closer and then periods where you're, everyone's kind of off doing their own thing. And it was really in one of those periods where all three of us were kind of doing our own things that we each got into just the concept of personal development. I mean, just the simple concept of reading books to improve your life. And we did it separately. And it wasn't so until it wasn't later. Like, hey, family, we're going <laughs> to. Yes. Yeah, exactly. By your parents, it wasn't like, like we're going to. Yeah, yeah we're going to start a band and we're going <laughs> to and we're going to get into self-help. No, it was like very separate. But I do think that it has to come back back to, down to my parents. I mean, they immig- we immigrate immigrated to the United States when I was a baby. My parents uh, had three kids under the age of eight and they started this whole new life. And so I think there there's like a level of courage anytime totally. that you are immigrating to a new country. And I feel like personal development is a, is courage, opening any book, learning anything new. You have to have some sense of courage to do things differently. And I, and I know growing up that my, my parents came from really dysfunctional households. And so there was this determination to do things differently and to build a different life in the United States. And so, although they didn't directly say to us, have courage, do things differently, we saw them doing that. And so my guess is that this this is where it stems from that influenced the three of us to on our own to just have the courage to do things differently. And that led down this path. Do you know um, what what was it that inspired your parents to move to the U.S.? You know, it's it's a great question. I mean, it's like I, we can easily say like, oh, of course. Yeah, everybody immigrates. Right. But not everybody does. Well, the rest of your family no. is there, right? And it's, yes, <laughs> all of my cousins are there. My grandparents have since passed away, but we were, we were leaving all of my grandparents, cousins, a very big family. I think a big part is that both my mom and dad came from broken homes. Both their parents were divorced, which was incredibly like this. No one was divorced in Argentina. Like back in this day, it was, first of all, it was illegal. Like you couldn't remarry. It's such a Catholic country that if you got divorced, the church wouldn't recognize it and you can't marry again. And it just wasn't, it wasn't done. You know, in that time period, you were just unhappily married. That's what people did. You didn't separate. Um, So my parents came from unique households where their parents did separate. And I think they wanted to do things differently. Also, the 80s in Argentina, there was a very it was a very difficult time period. My parents remembered hearing gunshots outside of their house. There was a lot of un, you know unrest, uh, upheaval. And so that influenced it. But I got to say, the thing about 
Argentina is there's just a crisis every 10 years. Like there's a financial crisis every 10 years. So there's also a resiliency where I see it in my cousins of like, well, you know, at the end of the day, we're still going to get together and hang out and family matters and we're still going to choose to be happy. And I, and I see it in my parents when we moved here. And I remember when there was a finance, the financial crisis here, everyone was devastated and my parents were devastated, but they were like, well, <laughs> this happens, yeah. you know, like, like life is, there's a lot of things that we can't control. So, th- so they definitely have like a, a type of resiliency, which gave me a certain type of perspective in my life that I think I wouldn't have had if I didn't have the, the background of being from a different country. And I remember growing up as a kid and I knew there was a bigger world outside of me as out of my hometown. When I noticed maybe some of my friends, they weren't thinking about other countries in second grade. Like it yeah. wasn't, they, no, you totally. don't have that you type of perspective. You in a suburb somewhere and you don't travel and you don't have family that lives in other countries and stuff like that. Yeah. Like why? Yeah. Why would yeah, you it even? doesn't it no. doesn't matter. And I, I think the nice thing about having that awareness is that it gives you some type of perspective when you're having a difficult time. We struggled financially as a family when I was little living in, in the United States. But that struggle is nothing compared to the struggle that other people have in different parts of the world. And right. so that type of perspective, I feel like, has always helped me and is something that's just a big part of my personality. If I'm having a tough time, I can take a step back and have perspective of how lucky I really am. Were your parents sort of putting those messages into your head? You know, like when you would notice like a struggle, like maybe you had a hard time at school or whatever it was in sports that like that they had a sort of way of talking to you that. I have a specific memory of it, it was a time period when we were struggling financially. And I would always know when we were struggling because we wouldn't have orange juice in the house. Like orange juice was only in our house when things were going well. It was like the first thing that was cut when we were struggling. And so remember we had no orange juice. And at the same time, it was near Halloween. And I don't know if they still do this, but they'd give you, it was UNICEF. Is, is that right? Do you remember a kid? Like you would get a little box for coins. And so oh. you would go to a house and say, trick or treat for UNICEF. And it was for foreign aid, I think. <laughs> I know it was charity, right? <laughs> so you would go and you'd hope to get some change and then you'd donate it. And so I remember having the box. And when you would do it, people would give you five cents, 25 cents, you know, just a little bit. And my mom gave me $2. And I remember being like, oh my God, cash? You're putting cash in this box? And thinking for me, it was just a a lot of money. And I said to my mom, most people just put a nickel in. Why would you put $2? And my mom's like, we have so much and there's so many people that have so little. Like, it's really important for us to give. And I remember it since I knew there was no orange juice in the house and I was feeling scarcity in my life, seeing my mom say, no, actually, we still have a lot and we still have enough to give. And that really is something that stayed with me. Yeah, that's it is. It seems. Yeah, it seems like such a little thing. But it is if yeah, especially if you're like really struggling, like every dollar yeah like matters and even back then I was like yeah every quarter matters (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah wow okay so that you all found personal do you remember what led you to like really diving more into personal development when you were in your early 20s or whenever it was yeah I actually I dove in when I was in high school I just had a really tough time in high school in general, I just felt really lost. I felt like I wanted to do things differently. I saw everybody going to college and following this path. 
and nothing really ex- excited me. And it felt like in high school, you had to play a certain role. Yeah. And I just didn't like the role I was in. I didn't like playing that role. Everything just felt a bit fake to me. And yeah, I didn't, I didn't like the high school. Like, yeah. yeah, like you have to, I don't know. Yeah, it is like pick a role. And I didn't even go to like an, I went to an all girls Catholic school. So it wasn't like the jocks and the, this, or like, it wasn't as like what you see on Defined, like TV yeah. as like that, but there's still, it, yeah, there's still somewhat was. And I was just like, this is, I mean, that was like, yeah, a big, my evolution or, you know, Sir Henry started at 15 when I was sort of like, this is all fucked up. Like, why are we all pretending to like, <laughs> that's it. And these sometimes things. And it felt so fake and everything. And then even, and I felt like even in my parents and their relationship, they were unhappy. And then together, like for me, I was like, what is this? Like, why are we even here? Everybody's just like faking their way through life. Yes. I think it's the age that you start to question everything, but you also don't have the answer. So there's a lot of anxiety and a lot of like, wait, what? You know, like things don't make sense, but you can't quite articulate why. And you have a feeling and you might not be able to articulate why you have that feeling. It's, it's a confusing time. And at that time I was, remember I was 17 and my brother, Nick came and was like, let's go to a live event. Let's go to a Tony Robbins event. He had found the tapes. And so we, he convinced the whole family to go. And we, we like had no money. So we all say those are pretty expensive. I'm guessing back then they were expensive. Yes. They were really expensive. We flew down. I think it was in Florida where we had to go. And it was, we're a family of five. So it's my parents, my brother, Nick, my middle brother, Alex, and myself. And then Nick's best friend, Nick Palizzi. It was six of us sharing one hotel, <laughs> one hotel room. <laughs> like, I don't even know how we fit. Like Palizzi was, Nick Palizzi was sleeping in a corner on the floor. Like we just stuffed <laughs> in that room. And I remember getting there and being like, what is this? This is so weird. Um, but then I really got into it and I was really inspired by the way he, he encourages you to reflect on your life and the strategies you run. It's not just about motivation. It's about looking at the patterns you have in your life. And at that time, I really had this big pattern of believing that I wasn't smart enough. I had trouble reading as a kid. I stayed back in second grade and that moment of staying back in second grade because I couldn't read just haunted me for the rest of my schooling. Mm. It was even when I was getting good grades, I felt like I was faking it. Like, like I was, I was always that second grader that couldn't read. Even when I had good grades, it was like, I just had to study more than everybody else to get good grades. So and so I felt like a grades, fraud. You didn't feel like you would actually earn oh, them or you're worthy. You're like, Oh, I, they're just being nice to me. Maybe even I like- faked, I faked the system. I, oh. you know, there were certain things like history and reading, which I did better at, but I still had to study really hard. And then there were things like math, which like I cheated so much in math in high school. Like, but you know what? I was so innovative and creative in the ways <laughs> that I figured out I how to cheat the system. I I look back and go, you know what? In real life, when you're not good at something, what do you do? You model someone else. You find someone else that's good at it. You like you figure out how to trick the system to work for you. So, um, yeah, I was really obsessed with getting good grades, but they came. They were difficult. I mean, listen, I had but this is a thing I would have good grades in history and and um, 
reading, but then I would go to math and and be horrible, but everything felt horrible. So even when something did happen, even when I got that A, it just, it felt like a fraud. It felt like I cheated the system that time. Even if I wasn't cheating, it was still a feeling of being a fraud. And so here I am 17 at this event and I'm realizing, wow, I stopped myself a lot because I don't think I'm smart enough. And I really began to explore this. And something that was I'm really grateful for when it comes to my parents is that when I stayed back in second grade, my mom is a school psychologist. So she really knew what I was going through. And I tested really poorly in reading, but I had a test which was about emotional intelligence. It was about like vocabulary. And I tested like a high school student in second grade. Oh, wow. And I remember my mom being like, it's okay that you're not good at reading. You are really good with people. You're really good at reading a room. You're really good at getting an idea across. And so even though I struggled, my parents were like, grades aren't everything. And I really think that is probably from moving into a new culture where like the the US culture grades are everything. I don't know exactly what it's like to go to school in Argentina. I don't know why they were like that. I don't know if it's because they're from a different country, but my mom really had put the sense in me that I was more than my grades, that there were things I excelled in. So, you know, your mother can say these things and it doesn't mean that you believe them. I do think it helps and it kind of lights something in you and it helps you think differently. But really, I was playing into that belief of, all of this proves that I'm dumb and that I'm not smart enough. And going to this this first Tony Robbins event for me at 17 years old was like, wow, you know what? I am really good with people. I am really courageous. I'm good at getting ideas across. Maybe I'm not dumb. And it also gave me the courage to try things differently because he put the idea in my head at 17 years old that I could find mentors, that I could begin to look at, look up at people that had the life I wanted to live and ask them what they did. And it was simply that exploration that made me decide, you know what? I don't want to go to college. I don't want to do the, 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 you know, this step, these steps that are put in front of me, I want to do something different. And so I ended up making a deal with my parents because my mom, as much as she was like great with all this, she has had a very hard time with me not wanting to go to college. She's sure. a doctor and in psychology. So hard and they moved, moved to the totally. United States. Totally. Did your brother go, go to college? My two brothers yeah. went to college. My grandmother had a doctorate. What she was like wow. the first female doctorate in like biology in Argentina. So yeah. she was like a trailblazer, which is why she got a divorce. No one, <laughs> no one got a divorce, but she's like, I'm getting a doctorate degree and I'm getting a divorce. So <laughs> my. So for my mom, it was very hard, especially me being a woman to not get that degree. And so I made a deal with them. Because she really wanted that for you, like you being a woman, whereas that's like, normally it would seem more acceptable that the woman doesn't get the degree. But she's like, no. You have to. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes, exactly. Like we are powerful women. It means that we get this degree. And so I had made, I started off by making a deal with them that if I go to an in-state college, which is like, was like five grand at the time, instead of an out-of-state college, which was like 48 grand at a time, if I could use the difference in money, which was a, a huge amount of money to take courses that I wanted. So I took courses in hypnotherapy. I took courses in NLP. Oh, I so traveled. like not courses in a college. 
So you well, took the no, difference. I still had to go to college. Right. But the extra money, the hypnotherapy and was like, yes. you would find some program I would find somewhere or something. Exactly. Programs all over wow. the country. And honestly, like it also was, you know, my parents had said to the three of us that they were going to pay, they were going to pay for college, even though they didn't have the money, they took out the loans. And so they are also, my parents also were in an incredible amount of debt with both of my brothers going to college. And now I'm like, okay, listen, I'll still go to college, but I'll go to a cheap one and I'll use this extra money, which didn't even come close to the amount of money that I would have spent if I went to a, a better school. That being said, it lasted for like a little more than half of my freshman year in college. I oh. couldn't do it. The more that I started to learn this stuff, I was like, I just have the, I can find mentors. I can learn. There's so much innovation when it comes to especially mental health and learning how our brain works and our behaviors work. So much of that is being understood now. And by the time it gets into a textbook in college, it yeah. can be 15 years later. And so I was like, I am passionate about helping people, but I don't want to be a traditional therapist. I want to learn from the best when it comes to performance and emotional health and wellness and take that knowledge and build my own career with it. And around that time, my brother is learning tapping and he's on his own journey. And he calls me one day and he's like, Jess, you know, the secret was like, oh, the right. secret was this, this big movie about the law of attraction. And at that time it was huge. It was the best selling DVD in history. And he was like, this is the future is movies. Why don't we make a movie around this technique and show people how they can really change their lives? Because tapping deals with stress. It helps calm your nervous system. When you calm your nervous system and address stress, remarkable things happen to the body. You stop getting the migraines, your back pain decreases, you know, your stomach problems go away. So when you look at tapping, it works on so many different things, but the reason it works on so many different things is because we're simply addressing anxiety and the way we process it in our body. So Nick was like, you know, let's take 10 people who have all these different challenges that stress impacts and let's make a film. And we put $50,000 on credit cards. And, you know, I was just living at my parents' house. And then we decided to make a film that ended up becoming the Tapping Solution movie, which people can watch. But guys, it's so old. Like <laughs> we made it in 2010. So everything has evolved. But that was our kind of big first step that led down to the road of of writing these books. And now just the, the biggest thing, my biggest passion is creating the Tapping app. And what was like, what was he doing at the time that made him like, was he in film or movies at all? Or he just felt <laughs> like this is the best way to get people's understanding of it because so because the secret movie came out. And so that made it be like, this is some personal development thing, because that's like manifestation. Is that right? Pretty yeah, much? it was a law of attraction. Law of attraction. That's the movie right. was on the law of attraction. Right, so yeah. he's seeing the response because this movie is out. So then he's like, we to get the biggest response and impact, we need to make a movie. That's the best way. Is that yes. what his reasoning is? Not like, oh, I know how to make films. I'm into film. Let's do this. Exactly. It was, this looks like it's going very well for the, for the secret. <laughs> There's also a massive market already because 
EFT tapping was already big, but it it wasn't really breaking through to the mainstream. There was already a big community, but there were a lot of people who loved it, but were like, you know, I, I, I love it, but I really want my mother-in-law to do it, or I really want my husband right. to get it. And so we felt like if we created a, a documentary that proved that it worked, but also taught how to tap, then the people who already love tapping would buy it and they would share it. Now, having a movie that's $15 is a very tough business model. Like, you well, know, that's you have also to sell before a lot. like the streaming services and stuff, right? right. So it's this like, was like I, before streaming. This was literally buying a DVD. Right. And, but all things considered, it, it did well. Um, but it, it was like the next stepping stone. And I, and the, my big takeaway from that experience is that oftentimes we get an idea and we feel like that idea has to be it. Like we, we think we have one big idea and it has to be the one big idea that transforms our lives. Sometimes that big idea is the stepping stone to something greater, but you can't get to that next step until that first project is done until you create that first thing. And we often hesitate in creating because we're trying to just calculate and strategize and figure it out when the best thing to do is take action and experiment. And honestly, the entire movie was made because we could tap on the anxiety we felt around the fact that we don't know how to make a movie (laughs) and we don't have any money. I mean, we bought the camera equipment and I remember seeing this very expensive camera equipment, like covering the floor of my brother's really tiny apartment. And then being like, well, I guess we have to Google how to light a shot. No, that's crazy. Like you guys, you, what you did know about was tapping, but like you didn't know how to make a movie, how to like market it, probably how to distribute it, how to get this thing into the world. (laughs) If you asked me to make a movie again, I probably, I can't tell you how we figured it out out as we went. And I, I don't think I could do it. But that is so like huge and like, yeah, shows so much. And what was he doing at the time for work? I'm like, I need to do a separate interview with Nick now. (laughs) He was, yeah, he was working in real estate. Okay. I mean, he was just like. But he just loved tapping for himself. He just, this was a passion. He knew, you know, he was, he was young too. At like one point he was working at a bank. Then he moved to real estate. I think he always had a spirit of being an entrepreneur, but wanting to be an entrepreneur and create a business that helped other people. And so what's really genius about both my brothers is that they're very good at marketing because they taught themselves marketing. Like this is a thing we're all self-taught. And now in this day and age, we are living in a time period where our grandparents couldn't just take a class on marketing by Googling something and spending $90 on a six week course. Like those things exist now where it's relative, like the, the amount of money you need to enter that is relatively low, still money, but it's not, you know, $50,000 a year of a college education. We can learn what we need to like those programs exist. And so they have, they have a, they definitely have a natural knack, but they also began to take online courses on marketing. How do you market a movie? How do you sell things online? How do you write good email copy? It's like all those things we had to discover as well as having the passion for this technique and continue to build um, our own skill set and and to grow. So it's two parts of your mind. You know, it's like one thing is having an idea and one thing is knowing how to market it. Yeah. And we had to just learn it all. And sometimes it's overwhelming and it sucks, but guess what? 
we have the opportunity. This opportunity did not exist for our parents or for our grandparents. I mean, it's such an exciting time to be alive because any dream that we have, we can connect to someone else who's done something similar and learn from them and gain their strategies and experiment. It's me, Trisha. I had to pop in to let you know, to talk to you about my app. In the App Store, go to Own Your Awesome. It's a daily inspiration app. It's hundreds of powerful thoughts and affirmations to empower you, inspire you, get you to think differently about what's happening in your mind and in your life and what you do want. You can open it at any time and get a little dose. I just opened it and I got the card that says, I am not afraid to fail. Yes, what is failing anyway? You can swipe through, you can hit the show me a card button. I just got trust that you are worthy of it. Trust that it will come together at exactly the right time. You can hit the little heart button to save it as your favorites. You can hit the share button to share it easily. You can write in the journal in the app what comes up when you read that. You can set a daily reminder in the app. So every day at whatever time you choose, 7 a.m., 2 p.m., 8 p.m., whatever you want, you'll get a reminder to check the app and get your dose of daily inspiration. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit show me a card one more time. I am in the flow. Yes. Oh, I just got another good one. <laughs> I am conscious of the thoughts in my mind. I get to choose which ones I believe and which I kick out. As you can see, all sorts of different affirmations and thoughts that could relate to you in different ways, depending on what you are feeling and going through. Go get it in the Google Play and in the Apple Store app, own your awesome. It's worth it. I promise. All right, let's get back to the episode. Have you guys talking about that? Because so when I, um, even when I was sort of started, when I started my online business, it wasn't even like, I'm starting an online business. It was just like, I, same thing. I was like motivated by passion. I'm like, I want people to change their lives and to wake up and to like, stop living this life of shoulds and that I'll tweet, I'll, oh, I'll hold a webinar. I'll, you know, like do these things. And we just like Google, oh, people hold webinars. Okay. I'll do that. (laughs) And because I wasn't really attached to that being like my business, it felt so easy and freeing and exciting. I can figure these things out. What I've realized now that it become, it has more become my business. And what I'm also feeling from other people who are like, now have this passion and want to become an entrepreneur of some sort, but because I have a passion that then it can be get stuck in the, because there's so much information out these days on how to yeah. start a podcast, have an online business, send emails, write the best email copy, whatever it is, that it can be almost even more overwhelming because there's so many people to choose. Like, yeah, oh, I can model myself after that person. So that means I should do exactly what they did. Like, you know, right. I'm bringing out the shoulds that I feel like it's just like, in some ways it can make it even harder that there's at these days so much information out there on how to yes. do things. Then it I feels like we, I have to do it this way. I have to do it this way. And I'm always bringing it back to, well, what feels best to me? And that like, these people did it their own way. And they figured it out. And like, yes, their way works, but they didn't, you know, it's like everybody is sort of figuring out their own template. And that could be like, 
that template gave them the number one podcast or the number one this or the number one selling independently made DVD or something like that. But it's like everybody was actually following their own steps. So we can take from their steps, but you can also like follow your own steps. <laughs> yes, it's it's you definitely have to be flexible. And I think having too much information, the big the biggest challenge is that we feel paralyzed. Yes. So there's so many options that we just don't take any options. And, you know, I, as you were saying that I remembered, uh, when we, in our early days, when we finally got to the point that we could hire people, we, uh, we have this woman, Lori, who's still with us today. She's amazing. She runs all of our projects. And I asked her, you know, what's, what's the difference between working for us and working for the company that you used to work for? And she said to me, the biggest difference is that when you guys see something isn't working, even if you are, have been working hard on it, you drop it really quickly and you take a different approach. And she was saying, in the companies I've worked for in the past, people are just trying to make their idea work because they've already committed to it, that they keep pushing and just hitting up against the same wall instead of just quitting and learning from that experience and doing something differently. And I, I didn't realize that we did that. It's just the way that we are. And after she said that, I, I reflected and it's true. I will try something. And if it's not giving me the result I want, I will stop and say, okay, do I have to tweak this strategy or just this just not work for what we're doing? And do I try something else? The key is trying. Mm -hmm. The challenge people have is they don't even try that first thing to figure out whether it'll work or not. We want the five-step strategy and we want to follow it perfect and we want to have a guaranteed result. There life is not like that. And so it's being, finding some kind of comfort in the unknown, some kind of comfort within going outside of your comfort zone and be willing to check your ego and change approaches when it's not working. Yeah. Yeah. And that, yeah, I'm just thinking of like what the process of you guys building and creating this company then with, yeah, like really like not knowing anything, like, yeah, like the, like yeah. figuring it all out. Well, um, the biggest catalyst to building the company, the thing that changed the game for us was that we started the Tapping World Summit. And back, this was 12 years ago, we did the first online summit. Now you see summits everywhere. But back then the model was you would do a kind of webinar, some type of event, and people would show up every week. So it'd be like six weeks and you'd show up every Monday at nine o'clock. And my brother thought, well, what if we did it like a live event, but it's recorded. And we did it so that every day there's two speakers, two people that I'm interviewing who are experts in tapping and people can listen for 24 hours for free. Then those two interviews go down and then two new ones go up. And it's these 10 days where we're diving into tapping and we're focusing on different aspects. So it'll focusing on tapping for uh, weight loss and body confidence, tapping for financial stress, tapping for relationship stress. And so we started to kind of do this model uh, and we launched it. 50,000 people showed up. I could not believe it. I had at that time, $500 in my bank account. That was everything I had to my name was $500 to my bank account. And I was still living with my parents and we launched the summit. 50,000 people showed up and that was everything for us that helped us build an email list because everyone who wanted to listen in for free registered. And so we started to build a community and that was like the launching thing. So we had to do the movie to get the credibility and to make 
create relationships with these experts, but it really was the summit that turned what we were doing into an actual business where I was making some kind of money. I can also see though, you're reaching out to other leaders and tapping and bringing them onto your thing that that feels to me like, again, that it's being led, like, even though you guys are trying to make a living for yourself in this company and you're saying you had no money, it seems less ego driven because you are then taking these experts in tapping where you could be like, oh, I don't want to sh- give them any credit because then people will go to them. You know what I mean? Yeah, like you're yeah, highlighting yeah. tapping experts that it could be, I could see other people being like, that could be a fear. I don't want to. Yeah, I will tell you right now, trying. On, but it's really, you're building and strengthening your community and trust. And like, to me, that just shows like, no, we really like love tapping so much. We're going to expose you to all of these people that can also help you. And you're going to want to be on our team because that's like, how passionate we are about this and how it can change your life because we're going to give you everything we can. (laughs) Yes. Let me tell you this. Trying to be famous is really bad for your business. (laughs) So bad for your business. And I see it now with social media. Our social media is decent, but I don't have like a ton of people because my focus every day is not to be famous on Instagram. I want to help the most amount of people. I want to create a business that supports my family, that grows and helps people. And if my only focus was on and everyone look at me, we wouldn't have this level of success. Our decisions would be so different that we wouldn't be creating, we wouldn't have created the foundation that we have now and the stability that we have now. And I just see it a lot. Like, you know, we, we want to help people, but we also want to be like the shiny star and, and we want to be seen. And I understand that desire because I have moments of wanting that. But I will say that when we created the summit, some of the feedback I got in the beginning. And actually I still get this feedback a lot. People say to me, Oh, you're a great interview because you make the person you're interviewing shine. A lot of people go into interviewing because they just want to hear the sound of their own voice. They want to talk to people to elevate themselves. They're not good listeners. And when, and like when you interview someone or when I interview someone, we genuinely are curious and we're doing it and we want the other person to look and sound good. We want them to do a good job because it's like we all elevate each other together. And I think the reason our summit to this day is still one of the most successful ones online is because when I go into that interview, I am not trying to sell you anything. I'm not trying to be the shiny star and get the attention. I am just trying to help someone else to let this speaker shine so that they can share their tools and their gifts for the listeners. And then that person is moved by that experience. They're tapping during this interview. And then they decide, you know what? I want to buy this. I want to own this. And that's how we, that's how we build the business. But I have to, I mean, I have to work, I work on it on a daily basis to not let my ego, you know, or the amount of followers I have on Facebook and Instagram impact my business decisions, which Mm -hmm. are more about, uh, you know, created that, creating that really, that sturdy foundation. Does that make sense? No, it totally makes sense. And I get it because it's like, I get that. And I'm so passionate. Like, yeah, I want people, you know, to actually transform. And I want people, I am generally interested in people and love listening and love asking them questions. And I'm hoping, I'm always asking questions that I'm hoping that the listener is then able to like 
see something in their own life and their own habits and their own to waken them up that I'm really moved by passion. But at the same time, those fucking numbers mean something because one literary agent did write me back saying, I'm sorry, we only can represent you if you have a hundred K or more. So maybe write back to us when you have that number. So it's like a weird thing of not like having to constantly navigate. No, like this is why I'm doing this and this is why I'm lit up. But yeah, I really have to get my numbers up so people will allow me to write a book. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, and but they're not totally. all like that. But yes, I did. I did actually get that reply last week. <laughs> and and to be fair, although I'm saying like the numbers yeah. don't matter. Sure, they do. Every situation is easier, is different. And every yeah. business is different. In my situation, for example, like with the app and what we're building, when you look at headspace and calm, no one knows the person's face. Like if I bumped into that, I mean, they, they're oh, billion yeah. dollar companies. If I bumped into the no voice, idea. the person who is, I would have no idea who they are. And so when it comes to me doing the app and creating these tapping meditations, we're looking at like, you know, building a business that's not just based on people liking me. Although I would love it if people liked me. I mean, I share things on Instagram. I have a very cute one-year-old. I love sharing (laughs) part of my life, but I also don't want to get so caught up in the smoke and mirrors that I'm not, you know, working on, on creating a business that works. And sometimes it is about like, doing Facebook ads or like paying people pay for it's not paying for followers. It's paying for exposure. Like Facebook's yeah. model completely changed. So although I have 80,000 Facebook followers, they're not seeing my posts now unless yeah. I boost them. And it's annoying, but it's also the way Facebook has built their business and it's a free platform. So my biggest thing is how do I create something where I'm not a hundred percent dependent on these platforms. And the way that I do that is building my email list and the way that I communicate and continuously give people value every week through an email, which is not dependent on a platform, which is, is really like we're renting land. Like we're building an Instagram follower, but following, but at any moment, Instagram can change their algorithm and just stop showing what we have. I mean, which they, which they do. It's happened in Facebook. It's going to happen in Instagram. And so it's, it's tricky. Like the numbers are important, but I feel like sometimes we can get so caught up in it that we're not working on different aspects of our business that matter. Well, for me, it doesn't feel good. I actually, I haven't written a blog in forever. And I started writing one yesterday because I felt like this icky feeling that I was, oh, I have to write an Instagram post that is really going to resonate with people. That's going to get a lot of likes and shares. Like, and, and if I go to create a post from that space, it, it actually feels terrible to me. Yeah. So like I do, definitely. of course, I want people to like and follow me and share my work. Not because I want to see those numbers really, but because I'm really hoping that my words are resonating with people and that that's making them think about their life. So when I'm coming from more of a place, oh, I feel like this really like has is like this really feels like it needs to come out of me right now or this post really feels like it needs to be shared. Like that feels good when I I can sometimes come from like if I come from a place of like I need to post something that people are really going to resonate yeah. with and love. It never it doesn't feel good to me at all. And that's where like the sort of thing of like knowing like yeah, likes and stuff matter because of what, what other people, you know, might be saying yes to me writing a book. But also to me, it's like, no, I just actually want something that is actually making a difference to somebody that makes them think that makes them think about themselves. So I have to always pull back. If I'm coming from a place of, I should be posting something big and meaningful right now, then it actually, it never, um, it never 
it never, never really, really feels works. fulfilling to yeah. me. It never feels it's, fulfilling to me also. Yeah. Yeah, it's something I've thought about a lot because I've gotten caught up in that or that feeling of like, oh, okay, I need to think about something right now and I need to post right now. And I have decided that I'm not going to post in real time anymore. If I'm writing something, I want to sit on my computer, I open a Word document, I write something that's meaningful, and then I decide when I'm going to post it and I schedule it. Somehow for me, that creating a step in between like a disconnect, like I use a third party platform. I use planally.com where you can plan Instagram things and then it will remind you when to post. And then during the week, I actually delete Instagram and I don't have it on my phone because I want my focus to be on creating content and not consuming content. Now, all of these steps I'm taking because I needed to. Like, I, I remember one time my brother called me and I picked up I picked up the call from my computer because my phone was in my bedroom in a drawer. And he's like, why are you talking on your computer? And I go, oh, I had to put my head to put my phone in the other room because I was being distracted. He's like, you have you lack such self-control that if you want to work, you have to put your you know, he's my older brother. So like like any opportunity he can to kind of tease me, he's going to take it. And I was like, you know what? Yeah. Like I know myself if I have my phone next to me. I'm going to look at it. And so I have had to kind of build these strategies because these platforms are meant to be addictive. They're meant that we just keep scrolling through to try to get that next hit. And so I had to really decide, okay, I want to be a creator more than I'm a consumer. And for me, it's about creating certain rules to help with my mental health so that I'm, you know, focusing on that and not feeling like I'm constantly giving my energy to these, to these platforms. Yeah. Okay. So let's get back. <laughs> I know. I know. Where, where this, did we go there? No, where did, but you, but you know, I do hope that it makes people reflect on their own behaviors around social media. Yeah, I whether think it is they an issue. have an account they're trying to grow or not, or they're just consuming that. I think it is important to like check in with why am I here and what am I doing and why am I posting? Whether it's a post, you know, if you're like, yeah, why are like, why are you posting right now? Whether you're trying to have an account or not, why, why do I want this to be seen? Like, <laughs> um, Let's go to, yeah, since you're sort of talking about mental health and your own mental health, let's skip to, so you wrote a book. What was it? The first book? The book, the first book was The Tapping Solution for Weight Loss and Body Confidence. For Weight Loss and Body Confidence. And why did you feel like that was important for you? Was that something that you felt like consumers needed or something you personally struggled with or both? Like the body confidence. It was both. I didn't want to write a book about weight loss and body confidence because... did not want to. I did not want to write a book about it. I did not want to be the spokesperson for this topic because it was something that I struggled with my entire life. I think I went on my first diet when I was 14. And I really thought that I could hate myself happy and criticize myself then. I just thought if I pushed myself enough and if I lost those 15 pounds, then my life would take off and I would be happy. And I just had so much emotion around my body and so much emotion around my weight. And I just, I had such drastic fluctuations. And it wasn't until uh, later in my twenties when I was at this event and the Tapping World Summit had launched. And so some people knew who I was and I was registering and this this woman goes, Oh, you're Jessica Ortner. And I go, yes. You know, I was like excited to be recognized. And she goes, Oh, you're, you're a lot bigger than I thought. Trish, you know me, I'm five one. So she is not talking about my height. Right. And I remember being like, huh, I didn't know what to say. I, I mean, well, right like, now, yeah, why do people would, say would be like, like that's that? It. 
I mean, now I wouldn't tolerate it. And I would say that's incredibly rude. But at that time, I just was insecure and nervous. And I ran out of there. And I remember trying not to cry. And I bumped into Nick and I told him and he was like, listen, like you've been struggling this for so long. And I know that you try so hard to lose weight. I always see you on a diet. You're always reading stuff about health. What if you just looked at this as an emotional challenge? What if you just addressed it with tapping? Just kind of go into this idea that you need to look at the emotions around it. And so he kind of he planted that seed for me. And so then I. I realized, you know, I was insane. I was doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. And I was really tired. And at that point, I just felt like I had nothing to lose. I exhausted all other options that I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to stop dieting and I'm going to take a step back. And I'm really going to look at my relationship with food, my relationship with myself, what goes on when I have these binges, uh, how do I talk to myself and my body? And I realized that I hated my body so much. And when you hate something, you don't want to spend time with it. It's like people who love this sounds like this is a silly example, but I think it works. There's people who love their cars and these people who love their cars are always cleaning their freaking cars. Like they love their cars and they're, they are ready to get a vacuum to that car the moment they can to clean the outside. You spend time taking care of things that you value. You don't spend time thinking, taking care of things that you don't value. Of course I wasn't taking care of my body because I hated it and I didn't value it. And I felt like I was born unlucky that I was born with a body, um, that just was betraying me constantly. And so I started to look at my relationship with tapping with my body. And I began to address it with tapping, looking at those beliefs and then tapping on these acupressure points where what would happen is I would get to the point where I would think about that belief, but I would feel calm in my body. And when you tap and when you feel calm in your body, now you have the power to take a step back and go, is that really what I think? Or am I really hungry or am I just stressed? What's going on? You can really check in with yourself and navigate your life completely differently. I lost a huge amount of weight. I stopped using the scale. I didn't even know I lost weight until I had to go to the doctors because I was like, the scale was so triggering to me. I was like, I don't want my value and how I feel about myself to be based on a scale. But I, I dropped a lot of weight. And I just changed my relationship with my body where even I've had moments in my life where I gained weight. You know, I got pregnant. Um, even before that, I, I remember I gained some weight when I went to, I went on a vacation with my mom. We went to Russia for a month and I came home and my jeans didn't fit. It didn't matter. I mean, it like, because of the stress and the pressure was gone, I just dropped that weight again a month later. Like naturally, so what was because different? I was taking care of myself. Sorry. Yeah. What was different in how you were using tapping when you sort of focused on this than previously? Because you had already used tapping. I was right? already using tapping. You yeah. just was this like then you started to do it before you ate or like how did you use it to shift your or is it just like you're going into it? Is it sort of the idea when you do tapping before you start, you're doing it with some sort of intention? You know what I mean? Or like, yes. how, yeah, like what made it be different? That Because like you had done tapping before, right? But it's just you weren't focusing right. on your relationship with your body. The biggest difference that I, exactly. The biggest difference that I had was that I took a step back and started to observe more. Instead of trying a diet and then getting mad at myself when I would fail that diet and then go on a binge, 
what I would do is when I felt myself going on that binge, I would tap or after the binge. A lot of times it was after, especially when you're starting mm. this journey. It's hard to catch yourself before. Right. But I would catch myself after doing something bad, not even bad, whatever. I don't even like to call it bad. But yeah, I had a binge and afterwards I would sit and tap. And so something instead of about being real- like putting yourself down, oh, I can't believe I did that again, whatever the and normal spiral And then just moving on to the next thing and then repeating the pattern, I really sat down and I asked myself questions like, what was I feeling at that time? What's going on? And I noticed that usually I would binge before I had to go somewhere. So it would be like, I have to leave in 15 minutes. I'm, I'm kind of hungry. Let me open the cabinets. And then it would just be like one thing after another. I would just like keep eating, then grab something for the car. And I realized it was because I was nervous. Um, I also, you know, it was a very messy process for me because I didn't have a book. If I had my, if I had my own book, I could go through the chapters and take a moment and go, okay, let me reflect on this aspect. But I didn't. So it was a longer process of me kind of diving in and experimenting, also reading a lot more books about emotions and weight loss and our relationships with food, and then using tapping as the tool that would help calm my body. This is a thing too, is like you sometimes know what to do. You logically get it, but you don't do it because your body doesn't know. It's a, and, and that's the difficult thing because we read these self-help books and, and we think, oh, I, I know better. I know I should have done this other thing. The problem is that our emotions aren't just in our brain. We feel them with our whole body. And so when you tap on these acupressure points, you are also, you're letting the body interact with the brain and you're sending this calming signal saying to your brain, it is safe for you to relax. Because when you are stressed out, there is a part of you that's in that fight or flight response. And you have an overproduction of the hormone cortisol, you have adrenaline, um, you have trouble thinking clearly, your heart is you know, beating out of your chest. All these, when we're in that state of panic and stress, we're not resourceful, we're not creative, we're not grounded, we don't make good decisions. And so by tapping on these acupressure points, I could get to that mo- more centered place. And in that place, I found the answers. And in that place, I could begin to experiment to see like, how can I do things differently? Like what is behind this and really ask myself questions. And so, you know, I ended up losing, losing weight, but honestly, the biggest thing was my body confidence. Cause in the past I would lose weight, but I was always waiting for the other shoe to drop. Like I knew I would just eventually, you might be like, okay, great. Look at me in this dress, but then you're still like hating your self-doubt or no wait, am I thin enough? You still have the self-doubt. Exactly. It's all so layered. And, um, you know, and so this time I was losing weight and it was just, from a calm place. And I mentioned it before, you know, I had moments, I can think about two moments in like the last five years where I gained some weight. I don't know how much because I wasn't um, on the scale, but what was really beautiful for me in that experience was I was wondering whether that really mean self-talk would come back. Like I was wondering like, did I really change or Am all, is all the shame going to flood back? Like now that there's extra pounds, like, is it there? Was I just like, sort of like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, can I still feel confident in who I am? Can I still feel like I have something to say, even when I gain this extra weight? And I was, to be honest, shocked that, yeah, like the tapping worked, that I had those moments where I gained weight and then I just whatever, dropped it. I mean, for both reasons, they were random things. You travel to a different country and you're in a different time zone and you're not sleeping well. And that was a month and I gained some weight. And then the other time was I got pregnant. (laughs) Obviously I gained some weight. And that really mean critical voice didn't come back. 
And it just allowed me to feel like I could flow with my life, that like my happiness isn't dependent on my body size. And when the pressure is gone, your body tends to lose the weight that it doesn't need. And I also have like let go of the pressure to be a size zero and be okay with a size four or a size six or like wherever I land, there's just so much more peace. And, you know, it was, it's been amazing ever since I wrote the book to observe my own life. Like I said, because I don't, you know, I don't know. It's, you wonder like, am I going to go back? Am I going to relapse? Because this has been an insecurity for so long. And, and I haven't. And the difference is that when I do have a voice that's saying, oh, you know, you would have gotten that TV spot if you were skinnier, like whatever it is, like, Mm -hmm. I can hear that voice and go, oh, that that's the vo- that's where I go when I'm scared. Like when mm. I'm scared, I blame my body. It's like an easy default. And yeah. when you let go of just all the emotions around it, when you go back to that habit, it's easier for you to go, oh, yeah, I'm doing that thing. Because every time I'm scared or every time I feel rejected, I just blame it on my body. It's a pattern I learned when I was a kid. And you mm. know what? We're not doing that anymore. I'm not going to yeah. do that anymore. And and that's really like the journey with tapping really helped me lead. It helped led me to that place. And again, I didn't want to write this book because I never like health and fitness isn't my passion. Um, weight loss isn't my passion, but it was my pain. And sometimes right, and people like so, need. Yeah, it's people like, like so personal, need, which yes. that's probably why it would resonate more. It's like, yeah, like the things that we struggle with the most. Oh, can help I other just, people because they're struggling yeah. too. I think J- Jason Mraz just had just interviewed me for my birthday episode. And he, I oh, think nice. it was him, said something that was like, oh man, I, it was something like the, mo- the more personal something is, the bigger impact it has or something like that. That when we're, because a lot of times I was saying like, yeah, like what I'm usually sharing from is my own wound. And like that, that's the stuff that resonates. Like when he's writing these songs, it's like, everybody's like, oh, you're so happy. And he's like, well, that's because me, I'm like, again, he's trying to write for himself to like cheers up, like, you know, yes. his own attitude and stuff like that. And it's like, yeah, it's like the more personal something is, he was like saying the more universal it actually probably is like that pain from it, <laughs> like that we're struggling with. Definitely. And I really felt like, honestly, that when I looked at the books that were on the market, I didn't feel like anyone had my voice. I didn't feel like people were having this conversation about completely just taking a break from the whole diet and exercise thing. Cause we know it just like, we know how to eat well. We know we should move our body. Like we make it so complicated that it has to be like this insane step plan and this restrictive diet. But everybody is so unique and everyone's lifestyle is so unique and everyone's personality is so unique. I wanted to address the emotions and the behaviors and then let people navigate the food and exercise their own way. Cause we know what's good for us. And if we don't know right away, we have to experiment and figure that out, but we can't make that change. So yeah, to to back to what you said, didn't want to write about this topic, really resisted it. And then I was like, I have, I have to, because I, I needed this book when I was 15. Hmm. So then, so after the book, is that when you ended up moving to Newport beach and I met you? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I finished writing the book and you know, I was just having a hard time in New York and I couldn't really pinpoint why I had a beautiful apartment. I had wonderful friends. I worked really hard to build a great life in New York city. And I just had this feeling of discontent. And no matter how much I tapped, I would 
feel calmer and less stress, but I still had that feeling of discontent. And so I thought to myself, maybe this discontent is telling me something. You know, maybe it's not about making yourself happy. Sometimes when something doesn't feel good, it's really exactly what you need to make a different decision. And so I decided after a while that I just needed something different. I just needed to move. And so I it was very, very difficult for me to do it because I just signed a two-year lease and I had an amazing apartment in New York. And as anyone who lives in New York knows, you do not give up a nice apartment easily. Like they're they're hard to get. And so um I ended up I ended up finding a way. I ended up finding someone who would sublet my apartment. I had to get rid of half of the things I owned. Um, and then I moved to California because I had this hunch that I was supposed to be there. I get there. And I have a really hard time. I get really <laughs> sick. Um, I have these digestive problems. I don't know what's going on. I'm being sent to the hospital thinking that I my appendix bursts. It's not. It's something with my small intestine. It was a shit show. And you thought, and, though, like, OK, I'm going to go move across the country. And everything's going to be lived, sunny. And yeah, you lived like a block from the beach, right? Yes. Like you were like. And I had this moment where I was like. I don't get it. I did. I trusted my intuition. I took the chance. But then I had this other voice because every time I would tap on my anxiety and I would get to a place where I was quiet, a part of me just kept saying, you're meant to be here. You're meant to be here. I know it's hard right now, but you're meant to be here. And I just kept just telling myself that I needed to be patient, that for some reason I was supposed to be here. I didn't know why, but I was going to find my way. And it took a few months. And then I met the love of my life who I'm now married to and I have a beautiful kid. And if I didn't move and if I wasn't so sick that I was forced to stay in California, I wouldn't have met him. And I had when things were hard, I had to listen to that voice that was telling me, have faith. You were, you're meant to do this. You're meant to be here. Even though everything looks horrible, you're meant to be here. Did you a lot of times just want to like what felt like it would have been like the easier like choice? Like, oh, I'm just going to move back to New York or like what like when when you're like feeling like what is going on and like, why am I here? And that like, what were you feeling like you like were, were you being feel pulled to do something else or were you just like, what the heck is happening? It was a little bit of both. I was um, just sad. I was really sad because I thought, you know, why isn't this working out when I'm doing all the things that I felt like were the right things? Again, I was taking the risk. Um, so part of me felt defeated and another part of me just wanted to go back home. I just wanted to go back to the East Coast and say that I, I made a mistake. But then every time I would work on that sadness and I would go to that place, I still just would have this voice that said, just wait, just stay here. And I had to really recommit to the inner work. You know, I had done tapping a lot and had these great breakthroughs personally. And then with my weight loss and body confidence, and I was in a great place. And then all of a sudden, again, I found myself in a bad place. Which is interesting and it was, because it also is like, that's after your book had like just came out, right? Which is like, feels to me like a huge, like, I did it. It's out in the world. This huge task I took on is like, <laughs> it was done. Crazy. Like, I mean, it my, feels like celebration time. <laughs> My book hit the New York Times bestseller list Amazing. and my reaction was to want to hide in my bed because, because as, as much as I had done so much work on myself, there was still a part of me I realized that felt really uncomfortable with attention. Hmm. And the thing I have realized about life since 
is that we're making a real mistake and a disservice to ourselves if we feel like our healing journey has a beginning, a start, a beginning, a middle and an end. And that somehow in life, we're going to arrive to this moment when we're never going to have the insecurity. What I've realized is to live a life that makes us feel truly alive. We're constantly putting ourselves out there a little more each time and getting a bit uncomfortable to do something new. And every time we do that, we have to address the part of us that feels scared. And and that part of us is something that's never going to go away because we are wired in our brains to want to be accepted and liked and just to stay small and be in our tribe and not do anything different. But we're beginning to realize to live a life that's fulfilling and exciting, we have to disappoint people. We have to say no to things that don't serve us. We have to have a voice. And Every step of the way that is uncomfortable and you will stop yourself unless you find a way for me, it was tapping to calm that anxiety enough. So your courage is stronger than your fear. And so, yeah, I had this huge, great success and then all these emotions came back up and that was my next invitation to go deeper, to, to look at this. And I will say it gets easier right? Like it doesn't, you don't have to go through the same pain all the time, but it's okay when life is difficult. I don't think we should feel ashamed. I think it's just an invitation to grow and to discover more of ourselves. Yeah. It's a, it's a lot. And that's what I'm like that. I think some people are always like waiting for this end point or especially like, Oh, I did. I've done so much self-work and I've done all, I've been to every Tony Robbins thing or I've been to like this and I've read all the books and I do this. So like, I'm going to be great. Like, you know, what is this? And like, like then that I feel like people end up beating themselves up like, oh, no, I have this. But it's like, yeah, it's just we're human. We're always going to yeah. have fears. We're always going to have doubts. We're always going to like f- have the struggle with the, I'm not enough or this with we all have some wounds from our like childhood or growing up that is all going to end up like popping back up. But I think that, yeah, like to me, it's just you get easier and faster and faster at noticing what it is. And even when you were talking about earlier, like your story around like the, like seeing like, oh, this is me being nervous. This is what this is. Yeah. Or, like I can notice, you know, like, oh, this is me. Like a lot of mine is like, this is a story of me not being like worthy or like I'm not enough. Mm-hmm. Or like I did like started to do some speaking last year and I immediately like, I have somebody, I think I, I feel good in my body, but I did, of course, over the years and starting when I was 15, like have body issues. And I immediately have felt great in my body. And as soon as I had a speaking gig, I was like, I need to exercise every day. I need to like this and like in my yeah. mind. And I was like, and I immediately was like, what? Because I realized I felt like, it, oh, I need to be the fittest, thinnest version of me because then that'll be prove that I'm enough and that I'm worthy of being on stage. But I was able right. to catch that and be like, no, how about I am going to exercise this week because it makes me feel good. Or like, you know, this, but it's, I'm gonna, whatever size I am, especially I'm going to be the same size on, in seven days from now, no matter what I do, probably, <laughs> yes. you know, but it's like, no, I need to do more work on me feeling enough and me feeling worthy than I do about me, like exercising and eating a certain way all week and getting my nails done and doing this and spending my time that way. Like I need to be spending my time making sure that I'm in a place of, I'm worthy of being on the stage and being heard. <laughs> that is a hundred percent it. And, That's the um, secret. And even, uh, yeah, just like this constant struggle was like, yeah, like I'm in the place right now of like, I'm writing a book. I'm, you know, I have something worthy to say. And then in one moment and then at the same moment, be like, oh my God, I'm so scared. And I was talking to a friend like last week of like talking about this excitement of like, oh my goodness, an agent is interested in this and that and that. But like also, and I'm like, it's such hard work and mostly in my own mind. Yeah. 
I said something like that. Like, this isn't so, it's so much work, mostly inside my own mind. Because in one moment, I'm like, I need a book deal. I have so many important things that are going to change people's lives. So, oh my God, I'm so scared. It's not good enough. I'm not good enough. (laughs) It's all about acceptance. You know, when it comes to tapping, the way that you start with the setup statement is you say, even though, and you state this feeling. So, even though I'm sad, even though I'm angry, even though I'm disappointed, I accept myself and how I feel. And you, you tap on the side of the hand as you say that, and then you tap on the rest of the acupressure points while actually giving a voice to that voice to that voice that's saying, I'm not good enough. What's wrong with me? Because what happens is when you feel relaxed in your body and now you listen to that voice, that voice doesn't have control over you because it's not hijacking you emotionally and physically. And so, but it all begins with an idea of owning it, accepting it. And then we flow through it so much faster. And I love what you said before, you recognize it and you get better at it. And so it doesn't mean you never have these moments, but you definitely go through these moments a lot quicker than before. Yeah. And I I love that you were just been like, because what I was about to also say is like the noticing in that and that it never goes away, but also that, yeah, you get so much better at having like self-compassion. And so like, that's how amazing I forgot that that is the part of tapping of like, even though like how compassionate is that and loving and self-accepting is like seeing, yes, I feel this, or I'm thinking this, or this is a real thing. And also this, that I think that that's an amazing affirming thing. Like it's, it feels like so much self-compassion and love because you're not telling yourself you're wrong or I'm bad or here I am in this story again. I thought I was you better than this. shouldn't feel that way. Yeah, that you shouldn't feel that way. Like all of these things that the even though is like so just even saying that just feels like my body is relaxing. So in the app, I know you guys have a ton of videos, but the app is like such the easiest thing these days because it's just on your phone and the app itself is free, right? So they can pull up the app right now and try, try one of these things, the tapping what would you call them? Tapping meditations, tapping therapy. It's tapping. They're tapping meditations. Yeah, absolutely. So if you're listening to this on your phone, go to your Apple store or Google play. We'll put the down- link in the notes too. Perfect. Thank you. You download the app and you'll, if you're completely new to tapping, there's three really quick videos that'll teach you the very basics. And then you can jump in. There's a tapping meditation to release anxiety that is completely free. And I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing. The results we're seeing. I mean, the thing that's the most exciting about this is that you're able to track your results and we're able to see just the impact these tapping meditations are having. So the way that it works is that before you start, you measure your anxiety on a zero to 10 scale, and then you measure your anxiety afterwards. And, you know, the, the shifts we're seeing are amazing. Like we have one tapping meditation which is quieting my racing mind and 96,000 people have done it. It's under 10 minutes and their anxiety, the average anxiety was 50% less. So imagine cutting your anxiety in half in 10 minutes. It's, it's incredible. We have another one releasing anxiety. This is my favorite one. 200,000 people have done this tapping meditation and the average of decrease of anxiety is 41%. So again, this is an average We're we're getting close to cutting anxiety in half in 10 minutes. And then you can keep doing the tapping and t- until you get to a zero, until you feel really calm in your body. So yeah, it's the tapping solution app. Yeah. And it's like, 
you can just, um, is it guided yes. like put so you, headphones in? You put I headphones in and then you'll up. see in avatar that the point that you're supposed to tap on will light up. So you can close your eyes and tap if you know the points, but if you lost your place or you don't know where to tap, you can just look on your screen and it will be gently lighting the spot that you should be tapping. And then, so yeah, this is awesome because you can do it like, oh, I'm in my car before a meeting or this, go to the bathroom. If you're at work, like do any, I mean, you can do it at your desk, but if you feel awkward, like, yeah, it's like, so it's like, yeah, go take a little, instead of like, it's like the yeah. new age smoke break. I always felt like me? I was always jealous of smokers because they oh were just my gosh, allowed to leave too. and go outside all the time. So I am still like, tell people like, yeah, just go take a walk. Like tell people like, whatever. It's like, <laughs> go have your smoke break by like taking a walk around the building or go yeah. like stretch in a <laughs> stall or something. Go I mean, do going, a tapping meditation. Going out. Outside like is definitely the best bet, but I will, I cannot tell you the amount of emails that I get of people tapping in a bathroom stall because it's it's like it's ten. <laughs> That's funny. I was just suggesting. I'm like, it seems like a yeah, natural place like to you go. Hide. And we have some tapping meditations that are just five minutes. The other are ten. I mean, we're not talking about a thirty minute thing. We're talking about like, okay, I am so anxious. I'm about to go on stage. I'm freaking out. Let me go into the app. Let me bring up the tapping meditation to release anxiety around public speaking. 10 minutes, get in your body, release the tension and you go up there and you knock it out of the park. Like you, this is all about controlling your state, releasing the anxiety so that you can be creative and resourceful and feel powerful in your life. And it just takes 10 minutes. And it seems like it's sort of like a next level affirmations. Most people have used to affirmations. Okay. I chant this thing that I want, like, you know, I am worthy. I am enough. I I'm in the exact place I want to be, but our bodies can still be feeling the anxiety. So what you're saying, like you're tapping on these points. So then even though your mind is saying these things, it's sort of like then your body relax. starts yeah. to like calm down and ground down. And then you can actually That is exactly that it. <laughs> I think affirmations are incredibly powerful. The challenge is when you're absolutely terrified, you're about to go public speaking, you're completely sweating, you're, you know, your hands are sweaty and you're saying to yourself, I can do this. I'm a powerful speaker. And your whole body is going... No, you're not. No, no, you're not. Or another part of your mind is going, no, you're not. There's something also really powerful, like we said before, of acknowledging how you feel. So the beginning of the tapping is always saying, even though I'm terrified, because I think I'm not going to do a good job, I accept how I feel. And it's fight. It's ending that war that we have between ourselves, the one part of our brain that's like, you can do it. And the other part of it's like, you're useless. And we have this like conflict in our mind. It's about getting back into our body, accepting ourselves, realizing we don't need to fight and just getting into that grounded and ready place. That is true. Cause I feel like most of the time just naming it is like so huge and so freeing. So whether it's low, even though I'm feeling like I'm too big in my body, this, even though I feel like I'm irresponsible with my money, cause whatever you missed a cart right up payment, like whatever you're feeling that it can be, even though this, and then you get into the, yeah, exactly like that. Right. I love it. And I'm definitely I'm like, I'm pulling up after we <laughs> Into it, even though I just feel good talking, grounding to people, talking to people grounds me. <laughs> this is my anxiety. <laughs> um, well, I have a couple wrap up questions. So, and also, you did write a second book, which I'll tag too. There was so much stuff we could talk about. This is what happens when I like know people, know people. It's like I end up asking them deeper things. It's like, <laughs> even though it's like I know somebody, that it's like the story gets. I love deeper. it. Okay, what is a go to to raise your joy levels? Which probably tapping is an answer, but like, yeah, when, is there anything else that you would turn to if you're like, you're just feeling off or, you know, you're about to do a podcast or do something or whatever it is where you're like, 
not feeling the energy of, oh, I'm supposed to be working right now, but I'm supposed to be working. So something uh, you need to shift yes, your energy. Not everyone can do this, but if I can, it's the most honest answer. And the first that comes to mind is spend time with my baby. I have a one-year-old and the thing about babies, Aww. and I think dogs are similar too. They're just such pure energy. And I feel like when I'm with my baby, I just remember what matters most in my life. And so whether I do well on an interview or not, it doesn't matter because at the end of the day, I'm a mom and I love this child. And there's so many things that are so much more important as to whether someone else likes me or not. And so just, you know, spending time with him get, helps me gain that perspective of what's really important to me. Love that. It's so true. Okay. I um, ask everybody, this is something that I'm constantly asking myself and something I posted on Instagram last year. And so I ask everybody to apply it to their own life. What is easiest for you is not always what is best for you. Can you think of a way to apply that to your own life? So what is easiest for me is to blank. What is best yeah. for me is to so blank. So what's easiest for me is to not record tapping meditations. I have a tough time. I really do have a tough time <laughs> doing them because I notice that I, I care so deeply. I want people to have such a good experience. And sometimes because I care so much, it can get in my own way. It's like this perfectionism tendency. And so I often have to tell myself it's not easy, but it's worth it. And it doesn't have to be perfect. And I, and I, it's a constant struggle and it's a constant reminder that the work I'm doing is important and it's easy for me not to do this work. It's easy for me to procrastinate, but I want to show up in my life and I want to do more and I want to help other people. So done is better than perfect. And it's okay to be a little uncomfortable in order to create something great. Yes. Love that reminder. And it is. Yeah. It's like, it seems like, but it's like noticing like the things that matter to us yeah. the most can feel like, you know, the things that we're like, yeah, trying to hold on to the most. It's like, this needs to be released and set free so that it exactly. can and it people. doesn't have to be perfect. <laughs> um, I ask everybody, can you see my, oh, there's a keychain choices yes. that are here. There's something up. So, so they look like this keychain, but these are all the phrases on the keychain. So I ask everybody to pick not even necessarily what is their favorite, but which reminder they feel they need in their life the most right now. I am magic is, is the reminder. Because Ooh. when I think of magic, I also feel, I think about something greater than myself. The, the, the divinity, you know, the universe, yes. God, the sense that we're here to serve, that we're just on this planet for such a short time. So let's share our magic. Let's be a, a channel for that. I love that. Um, yeah, I love that you chose I Am Magic, but also like your perspective on it because it is and it can seem more like easier to get out of our own way or do the thing, put the thing out there because we remember like, wait, it's magic. People need it's this. Not even me. It's, the me. Magic. it's not even me. It's just like this thing flowing. <laughs> it's like you can be more detached from it. It's not ego. It's not totally. coming from ego. <laughs> the magic needs to be released. <laughs> All right. The last question, the name of the podcast is Claim It because I feel that our feelings of success, of worth, of enoughness, whatever it is, aren't out there somewhere. Once I get this, be this, am the perfect size, whatever, write that book, then I will feel joyful enough, successful. It's something that we have to work to claim for ourselves every day. What are you claiming for yourself right now? I am enough. And 
the thought around that is I'm balancing so much now that I'm a mom. And so there's always questions of like, am I doing enough mom? Am I doing enough work? <laughs> am I doing, you know, what, what is that? And just having yeah. faith that I, I'm doing enough. I'm doing enough as a mom. I'm doing enough in my business. I'm doing enough as a wife. I don't have to be perfect in every area, but I'm showing up the best I can and having faith that it's enough. Yep. Feel that. And definitely, I think a good message for anybody listening out there, whether they're a mom or not, that like, just keep seeing that what you're doing and who you are exactly enough. <laughs> All right. I love you. And thank you so, so much for chatting with me. We could have no, talked. I love you too, hours. friend. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> It's been such a beautiful walk on the beach today with you. Oh, I miss those walks. (laughs) Which we didn't talk about. When she moved to New... Yeah, when she moved to Newport, I happened to be living in Newport for the same, like, year. We basically lived there at the same, like, year or whatever. And we would take long walks on the beach. We didn't know each other. We just had mutual friends and met and then became instant... instant tell every tell the deepest darkest and and we were in a very (laughs) interesting time in our lives in both in the midst of big transitions so it was talking about our fears and our hopes and our dreams and all of it yeah which it was a magical time I'm so glad I got to be there for you during that time yeah me too I'm so grateful I love you (laughs) I love you so much All right. Honestly, I could have talked to Jess for hours as we used to on our beach walks. So much that we could have talked about. I hope you got something from that. Make sure to check out Tapping. Download the Tapping Solution app. You can find the link below. Of course, while you're there, get the Own Your Awesome app as well, my daily inspiration app. (laughs) For more on Jessica, jessicaortner.com, Facebook, Jessica Ortner, Twitter, Instagram, all the things, Jessica Ortner, and then of course, thetappingsolution.com. For full show notes and links, go to yourdrawologist.com slash podcast, and you'll find all the episodes there. For all things me, yourdrawologist.com, and I'm at yourdrawologist on Instagram. Hoped that you loved this episode, that something resonated with you. If it did, share the episode, tag us, reach out, DM us. We'd love to hear from you. And I'd love to know why you listen to the podcast. If you could subscribe and leave a review, super grateful. And while you're leaving that review, take a screenshot and email it to me at podcast at yourdoyologist.com. And I'll send you a little gift from my product line. Just like I have the keychains I have every guest pick from. I have an affirmation deck, mugs, journals, magnets, all sorts of items to empower you, inspire you to get you looking at what you're thinking, doing, and how you are moving through life. Thank you so much for being here with me. I really value that you take the time to listen. Let's end the episode today by naming maybe a feeling or something that's going up in your, on in your life and using that sort of format of even though I am anxious about, even though I am sad, even though I feel like my body is too big, whatever you might be struggling with right now, even though I don't feel worthy, and then create your own affirmation. Even though I am anxious, I know that everything is working out. Even though my body is bigger than I want, I know that I am perfect as I am. Even though I am anxious about what's coming next, I know that I am taken care of. So that might be harder for you to do, but that's how I create my own affirmations is by paying attention to 
what am I feeling? What is making me anxious, worried, concerned? What's a doubt, a fear I have right now? And then turn it into something I want to believe in creating an I am statement from that. It feels good. And you can always go with the I am enough. I am enough right now as I am. I am enough today. I am enough in who I am. I am enough. You are enough. <laughs> 